This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hi, y'all, and welcome to Horsin' Around. Saddle up and get ready to have a darn tootin', gallopin' good time as we trot out the show that's your ultimate horse source, of course. Find out how to use good old horse sense when it comes to breeding, feeding, training, and explaining. From practical tips on caring for your horse's health to advice on how to buy horse supplies, including bridles, halters, saddles, and more. So get ready to start horsing around with your host, horse expert and award-winning rider, Audrey Pavia. Howdy, Audrey. Welcome to Horsing Around on PetLifeRadio.com. Thanks for joining us. This week, we're going to talk about barefoot trimming. Horses have been wearing shoes for centuries, but should they? The barefoot movement is a new trend in the horse world based on the theory that horses do not need shoes. In this episode, we'll take a look at this controversial movement that uses wild horses as examples of how, with the proper type of care, horses can go barefoot. To find out all about barefoot trimming, we have with us today equine hoof specialist Marcy Lambert, who has a barefoot trimming practice based in Valley Center, California. We'll talk to Marcy right after these messages. Why the long face? I reckon horsing around will be back in the saddle right after we round up a few words from our sponsor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com We know you're chomping at the bit to hear more horsing around. Well, we're back on the trail. So park yourself over yonder and set a spell. You ain't heard nothing yet. Welcome back to Horsing Around. I'm your host, Audrey Pavia, and we are here with equine hoof specialist Marcy Lambert to talk about barefoot trimming. Marcy, welcome to the show. Hey, how are you? Good. How are you doing today? I'm good. Okay. First off, let's talk about the philosophy behind barefoot trimming. Tell people what barefoot trimming is exactly and why it works. Barefoot trimming is basically taking a look at the wild horses and um, why they don't need any hoof care. So somebody decided to you know, take a look at that and say, what's going on here? So we know that the wild horses move anywhere from 10 to 20 miles a day, and so they trim their own feet in the event of moving. And then our horses that are in the domestic state, they stand around more, and so they don't self-trim, if you will. So their hooves need to be addressed by a human. So I know a lot of people say natural hoof care, natural barefoot trimming, natural this, natural that, but it is kind of funny that it's not really a natural thing for a human to trim the feet of the horse. Right. Nature would do it out in the wild. Yeah. How do we know that wild horses move so much? Why, why are they moving so much? Because when you watch your own horse in a paddock, you know, they usually just kind of stand around. Yeah, um, well, they move for food. Their digestive system is designed, they're called trickle feeders. So they eat little bits of food all day long. 
whereas humans and other animals like dogs or cats, you know, eat the main meal kind of thing. So horses move for food and then, of course, for water too. So that's what keeps them going. And so they're always on the search for food. Where our horses in the domestic, we just put the hay over the fence for them and they don't have to do anything for it. So then again, we're interfering with their natural way of life again. Right. So um, tell me what the difference is between a barefoot trim and a regular trim that you would do before you put shoes on. Okay, yeah, um, we find that there is a lot of differences. And, you know, I used to have my horses shod by a traditional farrier too before I found out about this type of method. And I can only go back and know what I (laughs) remember from back then when I had my horses shod by someone else is that traditionally the farriers just kind of look at the bottom of the foot and they, they need to make the foot flat in order to apply the shoe to, you know, so you have to have a nice flat surface to have something nailed to. And in my experience now, the, the bare foot or the naturally trimmed foot is a more of a curvier, cuppier foot. So the shoe seems to want to go against what the foot wants to do. And knowing that the farrier needs something to nail to, he tends to leave the wall long in order to have the nails be able to penetrate to, you know, have the shoe stay on. So that's one reason. There's lots of, you know, lots of variations. We like the horse through research over the past 10, 20 years. The horse, we realize that he's supposed to land heel first. And sometimes with the shoe on, it restricts that heel first landing with the differences. So we try to trim the foot, foot lands comfortably. So Marcy, Uh, tell me why a barefoot is, in your opinion, better way to go than shoes. Um, it's, seems to keep the horse healthier and more sound over the years and uh, happier and less problems, less vet calls. And truly, I usually can't come up with a good reason why the horse needs a shoe. And a lot of times I get that same question, what you just asked me, and it's the same thing. I usually ask the question right back to the person, you know, for them to say, why would you think the horse needs a shoe? And um, most people can't really come up with a good reason why the horse needs a shoe. And the shoe is just tradition more than it is something that we really think we need. Okay. Sense. Now, I've had people, because as you know, because you trim my horse's hooves, mm-hmm. uh, I have barefoot horses, and I've had people say to me that, well, you know, yeah, wild horses don't need shoes because they're just out foraging for food and they're mostly walking. And But when you have a horse in domesticated situation, they're being asked to jump, they're being asked to do dressage and, and do all kinds of stuff that wild horses don't ever have to do. And that's why we need to put shoes on them. Well, what's your answer to that? Yeah, that's a, that's a big one. I usually get asked that a lot too. You know, uh, like for instance, if you're talking about the show jumping people, they say, that the horse needs shoes for traction. But if you get to see a truly healthy foot that has its cuppy bottom and nice walls and hardy walls, then you know that the traction that the shoe provides is nothing like what the hoof can do for itself if the foot Mm -hmm. is healthy. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't ever get to see the healthy foot because over the years of shoeing a horse, the foot deteriorates and loses its good structure and, and health. And so when people pull the shoes off, they kind of find that, oh, the horse is sore with their feet and you yeah, can't do it. And so automatically that's ourselves saying, oh, it can't be done. But the horse generally has to be able to heal first and then go back to his career of show jumping or 
if you have a horse that never wore shoes in the first place, to have a healthy foot to start off with and then go to show jumping. And it's a curious thing, too, because one of the groups of um, riders uh, were the endurance riders, and they were the first ones to take the barefoot movement and go and run with it, if you will, because they were finding that their horses were healthier and sturdier and stronger with the bare feet, and they were able to pass the checkpoints sooner because, you know, they have to pull over for a heart rate and to see how they're doing, how the horse is doing, and they were always able to move along opposed to the other horses that were um, shod. So that was a pretty interesting thing. And they're one of the, they're hardy riders. They don't do small projects. Right. How about in a situation, for example, what you're talking about, endurance riding, where, Mm -hmm. you know, you're trailering your horse to a place that's rocky when he's not Mm -hmm. used to that, if he's barefoot. How would that work? Well, you know, that would almost be something that would not be fair to the horse because we haven't prepared him for that. We haven't prepared his feet. I mean, if the horse is going to go on that terrain, the hoof should be conditioned to go to that terrain. Because if he stands around in his, depending on where you live, the soft paddock, like the soft fluffiness of his paddock, and then you expect him to go run up a rocky hill, (laughs) you know, it's not fair to him. But um, there are options where people do the hoof boots, which is, you know, the boot that you just put on when you go for a ride if there's going to be rocky terrain. And that, you know, that helps a lot. But one of my biggest things, and the truly barefoot horse, is that the foot relies heavily on the horse moving. So, you know, it's the metabolic system of the horse that moves along with the feet, along with the stomach, the intestine, the heart, the lungs, everything. So, it's like one unit. So, tell me, that that kind of leads me into the next question was, how does one prepare the horse's hoof. I know from having barefoot horses, there's more to it than just pulling the shoes and doing the barefoot trim. There's some other things you need to do as well to make sure those hooves stay healthy. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, in some cases, you know, generally when I meet a horse for the first time, we you know, like to give an evaluation and, and my point of view and what's going on and, and we'll, you know, talk about it because, you know, I don't just go and pull shoes and say, okay, you're on your own, you know. Sometimes the horses, if they're in a dry climate, like the San Diego area, sometimes the feet are really hard and dry and so hoof soaking, like soaking them, letting them have some mud will help them have the foot uh, band and be a little more flexible so they can transition to barefoot better and easier. And sometimes the horses will go and stand in the water themselves because it is sort of a soothing thing for them too, you know. And what else? Uh, Movement. You know, if the horse is going to be a little bit reluctant to move, you might have to hand walk or encourage him to move by putting hay all over the pasture, little piles all over so he can walk around and eat, kind of like a normal or a wild horse would do, like walk and eat at the same time. So there's that. Generally, once they get past the the part of the initial couple of weeks or so, they're much on their own. Sometimes uh, you have to, you know, depending on the horse, if he's got severe issues like founder or laminitis, you know, you may not be able to ride him for a good six months until he heals and then, you know, he can go back to work. How does barefoot help horses that have, you know, issues like navicular or have foundered of laminitis? Well, it basically gives the horse his proper parameters, which means the hoof needs to be in a proper state, (laughs) proper angles, proper parameters to be able to function properly. And so sometimes if there's bone alignment issues inside the hoof capsule, that needs to be addressed. And that's generally what's going on when you're having founder 
and laminitis is the, the navicular is that the bone alignment is messed up in there. And due to um, lack of education in, in the proper parameters of the foot. Mm-hmm. So, um, and so with the barefoot, you get to restore good circulation and have that bone alignment get restored and then allow for healing. So it's pretty amazing that a lot of horses do actually fully recover from founder or laminitis and can continue to be in work or do whatever they need to do after they're healed. So one of the biggest deals is that the circulation gets restored and then the good health of the foot can come back. You know, I wanted to go back to something you mentioned about standing in water. Um, A lot of people work overtime trying to keep their horses' stalls dry, as dry as possible. So that they, the horses don't stand in water because traditionally we're all taught, you know, that they'll get thrush and it'll weaken the hoof. Um, I've had some people when I tell them that I wet my horse's feet or I have a mud puddle in their stall, they're horrified because, you know, oh, they're going to ruin their feet. So uh, how do you answer that? Yeah, you know, that is a, it is a typical thing because what happens if your horse has shoes on and with nails and stuff, the hoof castle itself is very porous like a sponge. So if there's water, like we've had a lot of rain here for a while, so so the hoof wants to expand in the mud or water, and it absorbs water and gets bigger. So with with the shoe, it tends to make the nail holes sloppy, and then the shoes want to fly off. <laughs> so right. traditional farriers tend to say, oh, no, never let the feet get wet because the shoes will come off. And, and that is a big concern with everybody. No one wants to have the shoe fly off the horse because then he wants to, he want to ride, and he's got three shoes. And, and so... So for us, once we pull the shoe, it's not a concern anymore. Like if, you know, if the hoof capsule swells up with water. And typically that's what we want. We want the hoof capsule to fill up with water and be flexible. And then the foot can be a shock absorbing unit, <laughs> like it's meant to be. So if the shoe is on and the, the hoof is really hard and dry, nothing can absorb shock because it's um, rigid, if you will. Right. Hard. Right, right, right. So yeah, I know that is a big thing when when people say, "Oh, you got to put," you know, I tell them you got to put the feet in water or let him have some water so he can decide, you know. And but it helps the foot; it makes it better. You know, it's a funny thing because it seems to contradict everything that we've learned over the generations of horse ownership. And what we we realize that too because the wild horses, if they go for a drink of water, they usually have their front feet submerged in the water. So. Sometime during every day, their feet touch water, you know, and so we just took that little tidbit of information and applied it to our domestic horses and said, oh, you know, we're getting it now. They don't get that. Right. So it's basically about bringing them back to their natural state as natural as possible. Right. Okay. Well, we're going to go to a little break. And next up, we're going to talk about examples of some horses that have been helped by Barefoot Trimming, and we'll be right back after these messages. Why the long face? I reckon horsing around will be back in the saddle right after we round up a few words from our sponsor. Molly, here's your dinner. (coughs) Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. 
Purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're chomping at the bit to hear more horsing around. Well, we're back on the trail. So park yourself over yonder and set a spell. You ain't heard nothing yet. Welcome back to Horsing Around. I'm here with equine hoof specialist Marcy Lambert, and we're talking about barefoot trimming. Marcy, can you give me some examples of horses that you know of, specific examples of horses that have had problems that have been helped uh, with barefoot trimming? Yeah, actually, uh, quite a few. Um, one of uh, the reason I got into this was one of my own horses. He had some pretty bad feet, and he got helped big time. Uh, his name is Trooper. He had some rotation where the coffin bone was wanting to penetrate the sole, which is very painful for a horse, and that would be called chronic founder. And you know, back in the day, I didn't know what to do for him, and he had, you know, the traditional pads and wedges and all these things that we tried to apply to help him. But in the end, it didn't work until we found the barefoot method. So and it did help him and he it restored his foot to good health and he was fine after that. Long story for him, but he's fine and all good. And, and then let's see, uh, you know, basically this method seems to help every horse it touches. And I find that the people are the ones that have to be able to be patient enough to have it work. And um, so, I mean, there's lots of horses that have recovered from founder and laminitis that, you know, we forget about because they're back to work and they're back to doing what they were doing before with the shoes and the pads and stuff. And so, yeah, I got lots of those stories. Um, Let's see. Um, Right now I'm working with a lady that has a horse that used to be on four butte a day and could not even come out of his stall, and um, terribly, terribly foundered, and most likely foundered for years. And the horse is uh, 27 years old now, and I've been treating him for about a year now, and he's cruising around and running and everything now. And I mean, he's still processing, but he's coming along. Now, I know there's different methods of barefoot trimming Mm -hmm. as well, and I know some are more... um, I don't want to say severe, but are more kind of radical than others. Can you tell us right. a little bit about that? Um, my first introduction to barefoot trimming was through Dr. Strasser, and she's a German veterinarian. And I know there's been some <laughs> words like what you just said about radical. And, and mm-hmm. I like to say she's very thorough because she is a veterinarian and she's been doing it for 25 years. She knows exactly what she's doing. And in a way, people have gone to one of her two-day clinics or education clinics and then taken her veterinarian method and tried it on their own horses, which gave it kind of a bad rap. But I use her technique quite a bit, but I've adapted to environments and and what the people are offering and stuff. So I feel that she is one of the most educated of all the barefoot people, and she was the first one put the wheels in motion. There's also a fellow named Pete Ramey. He's very popular right now, it seems, and he's uh, doing lots of good stuff for the help and rehabilitation for horses' feet. He's very good. There's also Dr. Bowker from Michigan State University. He's very good, too. He's um, a professor of anatomy 
And so he looks at the foot on a cellular basis, and uh, apparently he's coming out with a book next year. And he's he's very, very educated, too. And, and that's what these horses need for their, you know, the foot. We've forgotten about it for so many generations that it's only now that we're starting to be educated and, and say, oh, the foot needs this, oh. And then there's Pete Ramieri said, um, Jamie Jackson, he's a, he's a good one, too. He's been around for a while, and... Mm-hmm. promoting the wild horse trim. And there's others, I think. Right. Every day it seems like there's more and more. Now, what would you tell someone who, after hearing this show, might go to their veterinarian and say, I want to try a barefoot trim, and they get a negative reaction from their veterinarian uh, who may have seen a horse or two that had a poor barefoot trim and is negative about it? I have a feeling that that's out there quite a bit. What would you yes. tell that person? Well, there are some vets that are on board with it, and um, you usually have to go online and find them. But I understand that question 100% because it is, it's, a lot of them will say, a lot of the vets would probably say, oh, well, it's, uh, I heard about it, but, you know, you can try it. What I've been finding is that they don't really understand what us barefoot trimmers do. So if they need to kind of find out what we're really doing, and then they can actually help their client to say, yeah, this is good or bad, or, or be, you know, informed on it, at least. And the client, they have to be able to, you know, think for themselves, too, in a way. I don't want to sound um, bad or off like that, but we just think that the magic pill is going to fix us. And right. traditionally, vet- veterinarians are taught to diagnose and then give a medication or a treatment, and that's what they do. But we, you know, we're a little different where we remove the cause and then allow for healing. Just, I would say, look into it and look into every avenue of the barefoot, you know, and question your person that you actually do find. If you find a barefoot person that you're going to want to try, really, you know, ask them where they got their education, how long they've been doing it, if there's been any apprenticeship time, because all those are important questions. There's so much involved than just trimming the foot that you need to be truly educated, I think. So, Marcy, where can someone find a barefoot trimmer? Uh, Yeah, that's a good question. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It is kind of hard because we are fairly few and far between. But uh, one of the best resources right now, I think, and it's been for about eight or nine years, is thehorseshook.com. And uh, they're a quarterly magazine and a very informational website all about barefoot trimming. So that's thehorseshook.com. And they have on their website links to areas and like I'm on that on one of their classified ads to, you know, say I'm out here. And uh, so every city and state who has a barefoot trimmer is hopefully listed on there. So that's uh, one option. And sometimes just putting in some information online will help you out. But like I said earlier, we really need to um, research the person you find because it is so new. You want to make sure you get someone that truly got it together and knowing right. what they're doing. Yeah. So how would you go about researching? Would you read as much as you can about barefoot trimming or would you ask for yes. referrals? Yeah, I find referrals the best and most of my business comes from someone referring me. I try, I try not to really advertise because 
I find that I get better clients that really, truly want something, you know, the best for their horse by referral. But, you know, you know, online is good too. Like I said earlier, just ask a lot of questions, you know, and be satisfied with the answers. And you're allowed to ask questions and then go home and think about it. And that's what I would find mm-hmm. the best thing people to do. What are some of the questions people should ask? I would like to know how much experience they've had with horses and with this technique the trimming and um, where did they get their education? How well did they do? Did they actually pass? You know, stuff like that. it's kind are of awkward admit, to say, you know. Are they going to admit to it if they didn't? <laughs> well, I don't know. That's the thing. I mean, it's good to be honest. I find honesty is the best policy and uh, it is a toughie, but the more, the more the barefoot is out there, the more people are getting better at it and the understanding is getting better and we're starting to go with it and a lot of times if a horse has never worn shoes and he's had you know pretty good outside living and moving around his feet should be in good condition where he would just need you know basically a proper maintenance type trim to keep his feet in order and Mm -hmm. then it's not too much I don't know technology that reminds me of something I neglected to ask you how often does a horse need a barefoot trim Right. Um, that's a good question because, you know, if you're working with a horse that has some sort of deformity or pathological feet, which means, you know, something's wrong in the feet, we're trying to fix it. With the trim, we're trying to convince the foot to grow correctly. So in the beginning stages, you might need to trim every couple of weeks, and then sometimes it'll move to every three weeks, every four weeks. And then once the horse's foot starts becoming more normalized, then the amount of trimming, you know, kind of spreads itself to, you know, I don't think any horse should go any longer than every six weeks between trims, not unless the people are riding 20 miles a day. So so at the beginning stages, if there is um, things that we're trying to correct, which is pretty much, I'd say 90% of the horses feed out there, they have something up with them, you know, we need to have them balanced properly. And so, yeah, every couple of weeks to start off with. And I know that does sound extreme, but if we're trying to convince the horn or the hoof to grow correctly, then we need to convince it, you know, because a lot of times the pathology or the deformed is there due to the fact that they've been let to grow crazy, you know, with no trimming or still corrective help. Right. And another thing that's good to know is that barefoot trimming is a lot less expensive than shoeing, typically. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and I, I know I get some people think, you know, they, when they first meet me and stuff, they say, oh, it's going to be so much cheaper. But in the beginning stages, it might not be, you know, but it does in the end become a way cheaper <laughs> thing, right. you know, for Let's, the people. And like I said earlier, too, about being less vet bills and less lameness issues and stuff. Mm-hmm. So. And once the horse gets on maintenance and they're being trimmed every four to six weeks, it's, you know, a lot less than it would be if they were having their shoes changed. For sure. That, that frequently. For sure. That's totally true. Totally true. So, right. yeah, I, you know, I stress it at the beginning, you know, it might not be cheaper at the beginning, but later on, mm-hmm. you, the, you reap the rewards later on. So Right. Right. And I wanted to mention, too, that some of the folks that you referred to earlier, some of the um, barefoot trims that are out there, Pete Ramey and Jamie Jackson, they have books out that are available on Amazon.com that people can buy uh, to learn more about their methods. And also, I know Pete Ramey has a website. I'm not sure what the URL is, but if you put his name in Google, you will find it. His name is spelled R-A-M-E-Y. I think his website is Hoof Rehab. Com. Okay, great. I think. 
And I hope people will take a look at this. Um, I don't expect people are going to run out and rip their shoes off their horse's feet, but it is something to look into and consider. I personally have barefoot horses, and my horses love it, and I love it, and it's done really well for them. And I use one of my horses for distance riding, and he does great barefoot. But that's all the time we have for today. Marcy, I want to thank you for being our guest this week and sharing your knowledge with us. Okay. If anyone out there has any questions or comments about horsing around or any questions for Marcy, please email me at Audrey at PetLifeRadio.com. Until then, happy trails. Stop what you're doing and start horsing around. Every week on Pet Life Radio, horse expert and award-winning rider Audrey Pavia will be trotting out great tips on feeding, breeding, and more on everything equestrian. So set a spell and say hey to Audrey and get ready for a darn tootin' gallopin' good time. Every week on Horsin' Around, on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.